You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Amrit Kumar, co-founder of Zillica. This episode is brought to you by the Tonio Block Card. Earn up to 6.38% back on every merchant purchase with no limits. Block Card is the easiest, cheapest, and best way to use your cryptocurrency to buy what you want, when you want at over 50 million merchants globally. Blockcard has no exchange fees, no deposit fees, and no transaction fees. You can sign up at getblockcard.com, deposit funds, and instantly get access to your virtual card. We'll mail you a physical card too. You can also sync it with Apple or Google Pay. If you hold cryptocurrency, then you need to get Blockcard today. Visit getblockcard.com. I'm your host, Dustin Planthold. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest, Amrit Kumar, co-founder, president of Zulika. Amrit, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me over. You got it. Now, Zilliqa, I am a big fan of what you guys have designed and what you're building. Can you tell the audience who is Zilliqa? Okay, so Zilliqa is a blockchain platform similar to Ethereum in the sense that it allows people to develop their contracts and dApps on top of the platform. Uh, we started back into, I would say, June 2017. So we are roughly speaking around three, three years old. And uh, we were trying to solve two basic problems at Zilliqa. One was scalability, because uh, back then we were seeing CryptoKitties happening on Ethereum and, you know, the network was congested because of that. So we felt that there is a, there is a research problem that needs to be solved here. And so we wanted to attack that problem uh, from, from a scalability perspective. So that was the first. And, and let's talk about scalability, because there's many people entering this space. They're new to it. And they hear these terms, dApps, scalability, smart contracts. Can you walk us through each one of them? Yeah, sure. So uh, very simply put, you have a network. So Bitcoin or Ethereum or any blockchain network is just a network of nodes which process transactions. So these transactions could be payments, so where you transfer funds from your account to somebody else's account. Or it could even be slightly more complicated where you could run arbitrary logic. So you could say, for example, uh, I want to pay my rent every two months, for example. And this could be, this logic could be coded in what's called a smart contract. Uh, or, for example, you could have a, a, a contract that says, I want to transfer funds, but only if me and my friends agree to it, then only the mon money should, should go from my account to somebody else's account. And so these are sort of complex business logic that you can put in place around your, 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 your money, for example. And these are basically smart contracts. Interesting. And dApps are basically decentralized applications, applications which are running on this infrastructure, on this decentralized infrastructure. And uh, so, for example, a very simple application would be, let's say if, uh, you want to, you and me are friends and we decide that, okay, let's, 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 let's do a bet here. So let's bet on the fact that whether tomorrow it's going to rain or not in, in, in our city. And if it rains tomorrow, then, um, you know, you will win 50 bucks. Uh, if not, you know, you will return me 50 bucks, for example. And so what you want is to be able to do this, you know, you know, without trusting each other, because it's very possible that, you know, tomorrow it will rain and you, you will not give my money. And you could code this logic very simply in a contract. And this contract will check by connecting to the med department, for example, whether it rained tomorrow, you know, it's going to rain tomorrow or not. And if it does rain, then the money will come back to you. So it's a very simple 
example of a business logic that can run on a decentralized infrastructure and which is what's called a dap a decentralized app okay and the problem that uh, some of these blockchain networks uh, face or used to face was the scalability what it basically means is that because this network is so decentralized in for example in bitcoin ethereum's case there are 10000 nodes running this infrastructure what basically means in this infrastructure is that when you send a transaction so when you transfer your money from your account to somebody else's account that transaction needs to be processed and handled by each one of these nodes in the network and so it's very central decentralized very secure but it's also very redundant in some sense so imagine sending a $1 transaction or even a penny worth of transaction that gets processed or handled by 10000 nodes on the network so it's, that's very very consuming in some sense yeah and this is where the problem comes in which is because of all these benefits that blockchain provides in general or bitcoin in terms of general provides, you end up with this scalability issue which basically means that the number of transactions that they can process per second is very very low roughly speaking between 5 to 10 transactions per second just to give an example or in terms of comparison you look at visa which is the simplest payment service provider that you can imagine uh, in in the real world they process something between 5000 to 8000 transactions per second wow uh, so there's a huge gap between what traditional legacy chains like bitcoin and ethereum process and what is required by a you know by a by an application that will be used by the mass for example and this is what the problem of scalability is well wow, that, that's a great explanation for it so you know somebody's entering amrit and they these the, you know some of these ideas or some of these topics aren't for the traditional retail investor you know they're coming in buying a coin uh and or holding a coin but from the commercial side I mean in order for this to receive in order for this a space uh to get mass adoption there has to be use case there must be utility correct that's right that's right because you can't build a network or you can't build a road and you don't have you know cars driving on the road that does just just doesn't make sense maybe it will take time for those cars to come come and, and you know you'll see those cars on the road but it it has to be there without that it's just a ghost town uh, where you have buildings but nobody want nobody lives there or nobody wants to live there so you definitely need use cases that attract uh, either a certain you know group of community that serves a certain client base but there has to be use cases that are built on top of those platforms wow absolutely and, and now i must ask you cuz here you are co-founder and uh, president when you're building a business you know it's your brand and the people you put around you are the ones that can help to grow your brand or they can destroy your brand. I mean, talk to me about the hiring process. So, there's lots of super talented people throughout the world. So, how do you find the right team member to join your organization? And then also kind of on top of that is how do you retain them? Yes, it's it's a very interesting question. And I feel that the blockchain world is very different from a general startup world. Because if you come, for example, let's say you are building an app, a simple app or to let's say to attract to offer some service to people. the general model is that in that in order to build that company you start to hire a few key hires for example you want to hire a ceo for example if let's say you yourself don't want to be ceo you hire someone who wants to be the ceo and then you slowly build that team but the team is always centered around yourself centered around the founders in some sense however in blockchain world because of this uh, decentralization things are very different uh in the blockchain world for example when we were hiring um, we were hiring people were sitting in india while our main office and registered office was in singapore uh in 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 our company right now we have people who are working from denmark from russia from china from india and Remarkable. i am based in london 
and my team is in Singapore. Wow. And yet this whole dynamics works because of that spirit that you can build a decentralized team and yet be able to, to provide and deliver solutions. And then there's also the, the other challenges that are, you know, you have to adapt to in some sense. For example, this, this blockchain world requires people who understand system programming, so to people who understand how to design systems that run consensus, for example, that can do proof of work and those sort of things. Then you need people who understand smart contracts, for example. We, for example, at Zilliqa, we are defining, designing a new smart contract language that's going to be safe for people to develop and then you know, store funds in those contracts. So you need people who understand compilers and interpreters who can design those languages. And then you need people who are app developers, people who are going to build apps or who are going to help with that uh, integrations with them. And then, of course, the business and development team. Yeah. And the problem is that uh, in many cases, certain countries or certain areas, are, it's very hard for you to find certain specific people in that country. For example, uh, Singapore, uh, where we originally started from, it's very hard, uh, if not impossible, to find really good uh, programming language people. Because you don't have that culture there. In some sense, but you will you'll very you'll find very good salespeople, you'll find very good marketing people, you'll find very good business people. But finding very good compiler people is not so easy in Singapore. And that's why we started to open up. So when we were approached by people, when we were looking for people who wanted understood compilers, we had to reach out outside. So we we got people from, as I said, Denmark, Russia, India as well. So building that decentralized and living that decentralized uh, when working in that decentralized team. Is a very different experience, and I think you know with this work work from home setting that has come up after coronavirus, you know, situation, uh, I think many companies are actually going that route as well. So it's just kind of changing the dynamics now. So it sounds like you're also learning. I mean, for for everyone kind of entering now, or those that entered back three years ago, is that it's as a learning curve. You know, th there seems to be so much information being thrown at you, and from a leadership side, that must take its toll. So are there groups that you're involved with, from leadership groups or coaches or who helps to give you advice to make you better? I would say that it's definitely uh, an experience that you probably won't get in, in any other startup. Because one, the fact is this blockchain space is all about community in some sense. And this community itself is going to be composed of miners who are going to run that infrastructure, who's going to run those nodes. You will have to deal with people who are dApp developers, who are going to build dApps. Then you will have investors, enthusiasts, who just want to learn this space. And you have to somehow cater to all these audiences in some way. While in case of, let's say, a regular software company, when you start this company with four or five people in your company, you target a very, you know, very well-defined consumers. You know that you want to target, let's say, a specific market. You know that your users are, let's say, teenagers, for example, or your users are people who, are, who want to manage their funds, for example. Blockchain space is very different. So your consumer base is very wide open. And that space is still growing. So you, you know, around a year ago, the number of people who understood and knew about blockchains, um, and, and if you count them today, it's, it's, it has been a huge expansion in some sense. So that also creates a lot of challenges in some sense. And you definitely learn, learn one by mistakes, and you learn in this evolving landscape from what others are doing as well. So if you see that someone, for example, tried an idea, and it didn't work out, then you definitely don't want to try that idea, unless you have some, some improvements that you want to make to that idea. Wow. Wow. But uh, I think it's all about learning from each other in some sense and be open about uh, what you have learned and be open about uh, your success and failures. But now how I got to ask you, though, how many hours does it take? I mean, 
all it takes is all you got. There are so many hours in a day. So how do you, as a leader in this space, how do you find time to recover? How do you find time? Can you ever even turn it off? I mean, being that we're in a world that everyone's on, you know, from here, if you're in China, Singapore, it doesn't matter. There's somebody on. Do you ever get a break? So what does it take to run a company like this? I, I don't think you take, you can switch, switch yourself off for, for even a minute, I would say. Uh, so my day starts at around five in the morning because uh, most of my team is based in, at least the business team and marketing team are based in Singapore. So uh, I'm based in London. So it makes me easier to get up in the morning so that I can have maximum time with my team. If you have meetings, if you have business ideas, that's, that's the right time. And uh, you know, around, around noon time, it's already late in Singapore. And this is where my, I can interact with my European team members based in Denmark and so on. And by around 5 p.m., I'm basically done with, with, with uh, talking to other people. And then it's my own time to think about okay, what I want to do. Uh, and coming from a, an engineering background, I would say research background, I want to make sure that I contribute in, in meaningful ways and not just by saying that let's do this or let's do that. I want to contribute myself as well. Because the fact is the world is changing. This blockchain space is changing so fast that you can't just be at the leadership level. You have to actually get your hands dirty uh, to be able to understand what's going on and then be able to tell people and your team that, okay, this is something that's not going to work. Or because I've seen that the other project have tried this and it's not a good idea because it's not, it's not going to work unless you change this. And that needs, that needs uh, requires you to get your hands dirty. So I would say that, and, and again, it goes in the loop where um, you... You, you have to keep on doing this on a regular basis. It's, it's not that you can say, okay, let's switch off for, for a week because I want to go on a vacation. That doesn't, that doesn't help because this blockchain world uh, you know, doesn't stop. What you can do instead is to empower people. Um, and you say to people to look, I'm here to help you out, but you also need to make sure that you take ideas from the space and try to see what you can adopt. And that culture is very important. So people have to understand that it's not just you, you, can't, you can't have people who work because or do things that you told them, tell them to do, but you need to find people who are motivated enough to be able to drive things on their own. You know, I, for example, in our company, you know, at Zilliqa, we simply cannot afford people uh, who needs to be handheld. We just don't have time for that. You need, you need to understand the challenges. Uh, we will give you problems, and those problems will be interesting to solve, both technical and business. And you need to be able to figure out how to solve them by looking at what people are doing, but using your own ideas. But we don't have time uh, to be able to handle you. And that's, that's, that's the nature of and beauty of this. And that, and that really opens up for me the next question. So, Amrit, how do you, or, or in this case, where do you decide that time should go? I mean, is it five-minute increments? Is it an hour or 30? Like, there are so many directions that you can go. There are, by the way, the, the community of, of crypto traders have very unrealistic unrealistic expectations. Not all of them, but at least this video I saw of Zillica will make you a millionaire overnight, 1,000x gains, that there are many people that expect things that are unrealistic. So this will take more time, but during the average day, how do you decide where your time should go? Yeah, so... There's, there's a part about communication, right? You need to make sure that people who are involved in your, in, your, in your vision or who have bought into your vision know what you're doing. So it's a lot going to be about, so it's not, it's not a closed system. It's not like, as I said, it's not like a startup where you can deal with your own things and then you say, okay, here's, here are my, our sales number. Here are the numbers on how many people have downloaded my app and so on. You can't, you can't work like that because this, you have to communicate very actively to your, to your followers, to your community members or to your investors in some sense. 
And um, so, so the approach has to be very, very, very different. And in terms of you know, your, your time management, you need to make sure that you have to be, you have to be agile. You can't just say, okay, we decided on this idea on, on, in Q1, we have to continue doing this until Q4. You can't do that. You need to, be, you need to adapt. So if, if you try something out, if it didn't work out, you have to be able to switch very quickly. And for example, if you see that, okay, someone tried some idea and it worked, then you might want to adopt that idea as quickly as possible because this world, this blockchain's world is moving very, very fast and you don't want to be left out. So um, you need to be very agile, but you need to be fast as well. You can't just sit on an idea and say, okay, I have this idea, let's hire 15 people team, let, let, let us drive it, let's take our, our own time of one year or six months private. That's not gonna happen. You don't have that liberty, you don't have that, that privilege to do that. You need to be very agile, you need to be on your, on your toes all the time. Now, do you think that expectation was always there from the beginning, or do, or do you think that it is something that is becoming the new norm? I mean, the, the, the speed of which this space operates seems to be going faster. Uh, it, it is definitely not slowing down by any stretch. So were you just thrown into zero to 60, or from your, your prior life experience, were you ready to go? Was it like, all right, Dustin, I know this is going to take all I have. I know I'm going to have to work the long hours in order to succeed. I must go all in. And the people around me, the team, they have to be committed to getting it done. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, prior to joining Zilliqa, prior to starting Zilliqa, I was, I was a researcher. And uh, so I was working on, on blockchains in general. And, you know, research's life is very different. It's very competitive. So you need to make sure that you produce good quality research and that can impact uh, your domain that you're working on. But it was in a, in a way, it was very independent. So you were supposed to come with a problem that you want to solve. You were supposed to come up with an idea that's going to solve that problem. And then you were, then you were supposed to execute that idea. And um, in this model, so you were sort of in a, you work in a sort of closed setting, probably with your two, two colleagues who were working and collaborating with you on your project, but that's it. And the shift from that model of working to, to a model where you have to be on your toes all the time and be able to work with a marketing team on one end, you, you get on a call with them, and then just after 15 minutes of call, you jump on a technical call and you help or discuss ideas around, around changing uh, your protocol. And some of those things need, you know, you need to have a solid mindset. And some people may not, do not have that mindset. They just can't cope up with the 15 things that you have to handle in parallel. So you need to be able to multitask. You need to be able to understand that some people, for example, in the community may have unrealistic expectations. And you, so you have to understand that, okay, I can handle this because this is under my control. These are things that simply I cannot control. There's nothing that you can do, do about it. And so it's best to sort of make sure that you are, you know your eliminations and then wait until a time when people will realize what you're trying to achieve. Now, well, so, um, well said. You, you can't just say, okay, let's, let's blow the horns and let's do everything and let's sell in the entire world that we are doing this. And then... You may want to change your plan because something came up because you realize that, oh, it, doesn't, it won't work. So people in this community or generally in the blockchain space want new, want to know what you're doing. But at the same time, you have to manage the expectations that, okay, if I fail in this, in this, in this experiment, I need to be able to balance that out. And that's, that's a tricky situation to deal with. But you have to be careful with what you, what you share. You have to be that's careful right. with uh, people that people will understand, you know, in, in two months' time or three months' time what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, that, that's that's a great point. And in terms of this community and there being trust, you know, reaching out to your team and having you on the show, there's a lot of trust that you are placing in content creators 
when you are going out there and you're putting yourself out on on a limb. You know, that's scary. I mean, you have people around the world, you know this, that many want you to succeed, that that know of the organization. And then there are others that, well, they're just troublemakers. They, they don't want really anything to succeed other than their one coin to kind of rule rule them all approach. And so you take a lot of risk each and every day. Were you born with that gene? Or are you somebody that says, I'm secure in my belief. I know what we're able to do. I know where this organization can go. And I know that we can truly change the world. Definitely. You know, you if you if you don't have that passion, if you don't have that belief, there's 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 no point you know, spending uh, 15 hours of your time on, on a project or, or you know for that it just doesn't make sense you would rather do something that makes makes sense for you so for me and and many of my team members uh, i i definitely believe that if you don't believe in what we're doing there's no point for you to be committed in, in this in this project there's, there's no sense of it you have to be full-on because there will be distractions or you will be challenged and and you'll be challenged on a regular basis not that you no know, you feel and then you got challenged it's you will be challenged on your good you know, on your on your good projects, you will be challenged on your bad projects as well. And you need to be able to balance that. If you're not up for it, this is not the game for you. And use case, you know, the the Zill token. What is the use case around it? So, um, Zill tokens, as as most blockchain tokens, the first and major uh, use case is to be able to pay for, you know, for the for the transaction fees, because. Uh, the base layer is that if you want to run smart contracts, uh, these smart contracts are actually run by these thousands of nodes, and those nodes can be abused. So um, if you don't have a check on how to, on, on people who are in those contracts on, on your chain, uh, you, can't, you can't make it work. So the first basic use case on the purpose of this tokens, the Zill, is one, to be able to pay for the transaction fees and gas fees. Number two is what we're doing right now is about staking. So um, in general, uh, so Zilliqa is not using or not doing proof of stake. So we are very different from... And tell me proof of stake and what is staking? So staking, in a very simple term, is to be able to put something so that you are you have the skin in the game. And because of that skin in the game, you are allowed or you are given some privileges. For example, you are given some responsibilities based on that. For example, if I were to put, let's say, $10 in the system, then I would, be, I would have rights to decide on the fate of the chain. For example, whether the chain, whether the fee should go high by 5% or should go down by 5%. Uh, I could, for example, have the possibility to, to be able to decide on which block is a valid block, which block is, is invalid. And that is decided by how much stake you have in the system. So if, let's say, if you screw up, then you will, you will, your, you know, your stake will be, you'll have an impact because of your decisions. And so it basically gives, it's the skin of the game that gives you the right and privileges to decide on certain things uh, for the chain. And proof of stake is, is, is basically a mechanism that allows you to decide on transactions, which transactions are valid and which transactions are not, based on how much how many tokens you have staked in the network. It, and it sounds to me that you know there's so much one can learn that it is a never-ending space of knowledge. And so where do I find more about Zilliqa? How can I learn more about what you guys are doing? And in, in this case, where can I even find, you know, the, the ability to, to buy the Zill token? So, uh, the best source of information in general about Zilliqa as a protocol and about what we're trying to do in terms of adoption use cases is, is our website, zilliqa.com, where you have everything around that. There are different portals and depending on, you know, uh, you know how familiar you are with the space, you have a, a very dedicated white paper 
or 15 pages long white paper that you can deep dive in, into if you, if you want to you know, take a real deep dive to the technical aspects of silicon. There are also slightly more digestible materials uh, in the form of blog posts uh, that you can take a look at. In terms of buying uh, and you know, uh, results, uh, we have they're listed on almost all major exchanges uh, uh, like Binance, OP, OKX, uh, Upbit, Bitfarm, and so on. Uh, you can easily go and buy from there. Or you also could use uh, on-ramp uh, solution providers like uh, Transact, uh, which allows you to buy Brazil's through, um, you know, by credit card or from your, directly from your bank account as well. So these are different solutions that you can use uh, to, to get sales. That's great. Well, Amrit, thank you so much for joining us on the Bitcoin.com podcast and for sharing the Zillica story with our audience around the world. Thank you very much, Justin. It was great being here. Thank you again, sir. Talk to you soon. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.